Hello, hello, and a third hello. Welcome to Don't Forget Your Towel. I'm your host and GM, Azul, and today we'll be playing Lady Blackbird, a minimalist RPG by the one and only RPG designer extraordinaire, John Harper. Creative games such as Blades in the Dark, Aegon, Lasers and Feelings, and many, many more. Lady Blackbird is quite an interesting RPG. It's very minimalist and provides a setup and possible resolution while allowing all the meat and bones to be populated by the players and GM on the go. In fact, the game explicitly advises GM to not prepare a story or anything akin to a story and instead to collaborate and use the endless voids of imagination present in every player's mind. It's really easy to set up and play and best of all, it's pay what you can online. The game itself centers around the crew of the Owl, a retrofitted cargo ship who have recently been hired to escort a mysterious woman and her bodyguard to the outer rim of the Wild Blue, a vast and near-endless expanse of space. It's very roleplay focused and packs a truly amazing wealth of information in its deceptively short PDF, so definitely check it out. As a disclaimer, please note that we kind of screwed up the re-rolling bit at the beginning of the game, but we soon realized it and corrected our mistakes, so that's why the re-rolling bits at the beginning may seem a bit different from the rest. Without further delay, let's get on with the episode. Be it our strength, our wit, our craft, from Faerun to Arkham to Mars, we'll take the quest. So hello everyone. Today we're playing Lady Blackbird by John Harper, I believe. He's he's like a god of RPGs, of minimalist RPGs. If you've played something like Lasers and Feelings or oh. Yeah, yeah, or exactly. Insert RPG here. <laughs> yeah. <there's>, he's <laughs> he's just incredibly prolific. I don't know how he keeps on coming up with ideas, but yeah. Um, and we've got a delightful cast with us as well. Some very, very colourful individuals. I'm just going to go left to right in terms of the names. Hello, Joe. Welcome to Don't Forget Your Tell. How's it going? It's going really good today. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. So t- tell us a bit about yourself, Joe. Like, who is Joe? Who 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 are you? <laughs> wow, that's a deep question. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I guess the most promote version of that would be that I am the host of the Tabletop Theory YouTube channel, and I talk about things like mental health and counseling theory and education theory and how using those things can help people learn how to become more comfortable at the role-playing table and also learn a little bit about themselves to become more comfortable in general. Other than that, I get to run a couple of games for some students at university, and it's a really fun thing to get to do to help people work on mental health by using things like role-playing games. That's exciting. And there is a reason why you're known as a very wholesome person in the community as well. That's really nice to hear, and I appreciate that. Thank you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so where can we find you as well? Where can our listeners find you? You can find me on YouTube at Tabletop Theory, or you can find me on Instagram or Twitter at Tabletop Theory 1. That's probably the easiest place to find new content or just reach out to me in general. So this is a random question, but what's Tabletop theory taken when you added the one or did you just so yes it was i think you're the first person to ever actually ask me that if you go to to twitter and you look at tabletop theory there is a long dead 
Twitter account that looks like someone actually put like a lot of effort into it. Wow. And oh, then no. never posted anything. It's got like a really well-designed logo and oh. it just never got used. I don't know who owns it. And um, oh, it's, damn. I know it's yeah, you know, it's a little bit of a bummer, but I don't know. We'll put the one at the end of it because, yep, I'm not the first person to come up with that name. <laughs> And who are you playing today? I'm playing Cyrus Vance, who's an ex-imperial soldier turned smuggler and soldier of fortune and also happens to be captain of the Owl. Kind of a uh, serious dude, bit of a ne'er-do-well, but also uh, a man with many secrets, you could say. That's awesome. Thank you, Joe. Um, We'll move on to the right side of the screen. Hello, Ellen. Welcome to Don't Forget Your Towel. How's it going? It's going very well. Thank you. Sorry, I couldn't figure out. I think our screens are configured differently. So it was just like, it was like a, a fun little... A lucky dip of who who you could possibly call on. (laughs) (laughs) I like to keep you all on your toes, you see. Yeah. (laughs) Even if those toes are under a blanket at the moment in very chilly South Australia. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) No, no. So... Ellen, same question to Joe. Who are you? Who Who is Ellen? Well, look, I'm doing a lot of soul searching oh, yeah? uh, to actually find that out after 26 <laughs> years of walking this earth. But I mean, from a promotional standpoint, I am one quarter of Baby Beard Media. Uh, we are a podcast empire uh, where we make a TTRPG podcast called Roll to Cast, where each season is a different game. So we've done Cyberpunk 2020. We were fortunate enough to get the beta for Cyberpunk Red. We've done Pulp Cthulhu. We're about to do Kids on Bikes, which will be my season. So I'm very excited about that. And we've also been fortunate enough to interview some of the creators. So we were lucky ducks to have Mike Pondsmith and and Cody on the show. Wow. Um, as well as Mike Mason from Chaosium Inc. Really? Yeah, it's it's really... And Justin Achille from World of Darkness. Yeah, it's it's... It's like so hard to hold an interview because the whole time you're just going like, oh, my God. Yep. <laughs> ah! Oh, my gosh. You've been writing role-playing games since before I was born. <laughs> you're like stars. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> and I also play on the Sirenscape Cyberpunk Red game at the moment as Alley Cats, who is a very different type of rocker. <laughs> I've... I've I've modded what rocker means slightly uh, in that she is an, an adult performer, as you might say. Ah. Oh. Yeah, because I'm like, who has the most influence in these worlds? People talking through their cameras or, you know, <laughs> people with like <laughs> devoted little bases of fans who you can sick on people. Oh, yeah. Um, Makes yeah. sense. Yeah, so that's me. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I like to say on my Twitter, I'm a hot nerd. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I've got going Get for it. me. Brilliant. <laughs> that's awesome. And then one day I'll just be a nerd. Aww. <laughs> no, you'll just be an it's old fine. hot nerd. Yeah, old hot nerd. Oh, thank you. Exactly. Like a fine cheese. <laughs> yeah. 
Brilliant. And and where can our listeners find your uh, hot nerdiness, Ellen? <laughs> well, yes. Uh, well, it pervades all of Baby Beard media content, so you can find us on all the good podcatching sites. Uh, and we also have a YouTube channel, and we're on Twitter at Baby Beard Media. And if you want to just get my hotness <laughs> without the dilution of the other three of baby course. beards, <laughs> then you can find me on Twitter at Ellen K Graham One. And I'm playing Lady Blackbird, who is in disguise as Natasha Siri. She is an imperial noble who is escaping an arranged marriage so that she can be with her lover, the notorious, the infamous pirate Uriah. What is that? <laughs> I was going to like forget his name. Uriah Flint. Flint. Uriah Flint. And none of that will be edited because mistakes are part of life. (laughs) (laughs) She just calls him Uriah so often, you know. Of course, yeah. (laughs) When I was reading it originally, I was like, how does one pronounce it? Is it Uriah? Like, ooh, Raya. (laughs) 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 Sorry. Both. Well, one is the formal pronunciation. The other one is what his friends call him. Yes. Oh, right. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I love it. And and then we've got Will. Hello, Will. Welcome to Don't Forget Your Towel. How's it? How how are you doing? Hi. I'm great. Thanks for having me. I feel so 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 blessed. Um yeah, my name's Will Ketter. I'll do I'll do this reverse order from everyone else. Uh you can find me on Twitter at Will underscore Ketter. Or maybe it's Dash. It's one of those. It's it's easy to find me. <laughs> Uh, I tweet about autism and theater uh, as a New York City actor. Uh, I haven't had much to do for the past year, so I'm on there a lot. You can find a lot of my thoughts. Uh, I also, uh, I'm on Twitch. I play WoW with my mom, and I play D&D Saturday nights uh, in an Icewind Dale campaign that's super duper fun. Ooh. Yeah, what else? Uh, you, if you want to look into my theater work, uh, you can find me at Epic Players NYC, where I am a mentor for a group of neurodiverse actors, uh, adults on and off the spectrum. It's a wonderful, wonderful company. We're working on some stuff coming up. Uh, check that out. Uh, also, The Seeing Place Theater Company, uh, the place we go to see ourselves, which uh, as we've moved online, we have also all sorts of online programming uh, that we plan on continuing into the future uh, because we're, we're very passionate about accessible theater at The Seeing Place. And uh, yeah, there's also stuff of me on YouTube. If you if you look Ooh. up my YouTube, uh, if you look up my name Will Ketter on YouTube, you'll find uh, a short film that I did in the Secure Contain Protect SCP universe uh, that has quite a quite a few views on it. Creepy. Um, it's yeah. very fun. Ten minute, almost a ten minute monologue. Very fun, uh, as well as a, a full-length performance of me as Hamlet. If you've got the time, wow. uh, my university Very had cool. a had a nice little video budget for a second. And I'm playing Kale Arkham, a burglar, petty sorcerer, first mate, and mechanic of the Owl, a longtime friend of Captain Vance, and a bit of a bit of a nerd, bit of a nerd. Um, <laughs> It is what it is. <laughs> yeah, I think that that pretty much sums it up. Don't fight it. Know who you are. Brilliant. <laughs> and then we have Erin, a familiar face for most of our listeners. Hello, Erin. Hey, guys. It's Erin. Um, so I will just plug a little something. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I've never... 
Ouch. Oh, anyone denied a plug. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, of course, Heron. Oh. We, we love you all. Mm-hmm. We, we all love you. Mm-hmm. Please, by all mm-hmm. means. Anyway, yeah. Uh, if you happen to be in Auckland at the moment and you are looking for something to do, looking for a fun evening, and you have a spare 50 bucks. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I am currently working at the Alice Cocktail Experience. So you can uh, pop over and maybe see me as the Mad Hatter. Um, but yeah, so if you're, if you're up for that, uh, it's a pretty fun time. Otherwise, if you just want to keep up with everything that I'm doing, uh, you can follow me on Instagram or Facebook at Erin O'Flaherty Actor. And I am playing Naomi Bishop, a former pit fighter and the bodyguard to Lady Blackbird. Uh, Also quite serious. She's got a pretty gritty backstory. Yeah, she's really just all about that loyalty to Lady Blackbird. So as a reminder for our players and context for our listeners, our story really begins in the capital world of the Empire, Elysium, from whence Our Lady Blackbird hails. It's home to a great many noble houses and, of course, decadence. Our Lady is, I believe, a queen princess? Uh, yeah, I, I have, I've just said, like, noble, so... Okay, yeah. It could, I think that she's, like, from a a respected family, but I don't think that she would inherit any kind of monarchy or any kind of big title like that. It'd be more like she's a lady in waiting, so just kind of trapped by the nobility, but without any way to kind of actually social climb. Sounds good. She is a noblewoman of one of the eight great houses of Elysium, I'm going to say. As is tradition, Our Lady Blackbird was forced into an arranged political marriage with one Count Carlo, head of the House of Carlo. Discontent with her supposed fate, she fled the many palaces of the Imperial world with her bodyguards so as to be with her secret lover, the Pirate King, Uriah Flint. In order to do this, she confessed her plans to her bodyguard, Naomi Bishop, and quickly hired the smuggler skyship, the Owl, to take her to the far reaches of the remnants, a swirling maelstrom of spinning world shards and impossible to navigate debris from the many skyships that have tried. So tell us, Captain Vance, what kind of ship is the Owl? So the Owl is a converted cargo freighter that isn't really very uh, what you could call new or posh, but it has definitely seen a lot of miles. It's quite old, but Vance chose it because of the fact that it could be repaired and it doesn't toss very much to actually get it up and flying. It's reliable, it's stout, it can hold a variety of things in a variety of hidden compartments. And um, as such, it has been used allegedly for smuggling of various goods, services, and people. And also, she's my baby, don't you dare touch her. (laughs) (laughs) Easy that. (laughs) (laughs) So definitely the ideal ship for Lady Blackbird and Naomi to use to escape from the Imperial capital. Unfortunately, in midst of their voyage to the remnants, almost at the halfway point, they were captured by an imperial cruiser, the Hand of Sorrow Mark II, a much despised and feared ship, one of the three cruisers bearing the same name. What were the charges, you ask? Flying a false flag, a common occurrence in imperial space because, well, you kind of have to if you're a smuggler trying to survive the many tariffs and restrictions and... (laughs) 
while the grey shadow of morality. Having been captured, you've all been taken to Sorrow's Peak, a large prison facility run by the Order of Anguish, the navy of the Imperial Lords. The location where the prisoners are kept until their trials. Unfortunately, a fair trial is as realistic as a fairy tale. Generally, being taken to this prison in and of itself is considered a death sentence, so luck does not seem to be on your side. Regardless, you all find yourselves in a relatively spacious prison cell, with thick steel bars in front of you, bricked walls to your sides, and rough flat stone beneath and above you. Apart from a few steel cuffs attached to the walls and way too many old scratches on the brick walls, this seems to be your average prison cell. What are you all doing having just been put in here recently? Are we all by ourselves or are we in one cell together? You are in one cell together. Sweet. Just chain smoking. Just like <laughs> tapping my foot. Like just like... They let you keep your oh, cigarettes, I guess. Oh man, absolutely not. No, I, I, no, I brought the... What cigarette? <laughs> Kale, you know people can smell those, right? What? Never mind. Eh. Would you put those out? I can't think. Plus, if we're in jail, it, we're probably about to dance with the Jack Ketch, if you know what I mean. No, what does that mean? You know? What does that mean? They'll swing us. They'll uh, make us walk off into the abyss of the wild blue. I hardly think a bit of smoke is going to you know, sway us one direction or the other. What we really need to do is get out of here. Yes, exactly. No, don't worry. They wouldn't put us in the cell unless they had already decided that we were guilty of whatever they were charging us with. It's uh, not really much of what you'd call a system of justice. More of a theme. More of a dance? Sure. Dance if you like. Okay, now that we're all on the same <laughs> page, can we talk about how we're going to get out of here? Yeah, so Captain Vance, do you... Mm -hmm. You are the de facto leader of the group, of mm -hmm. course, being the captain. Have you... Do you have any ideas? Do you have any thoughts about your predicament? So, as a uh, ex-Imperial soldier, a quality that Vance tries not to share to most people that he doesn't know on a friendly basis... He probably has a little bit of knowledge of how most of these prisons are actually staffed and all the guard rotations. So he's going to be using that knowledge as well as keeping track of the rotations of guards to see if there are any openings in terms of when they may be coming by the cell and openings for when certain things like food or other resources are being brought and to know if and when he asks Kale to fake some kind of medical emergency, how quickly they might respond and what they may bring in terms of response. Definitely. So before I answer your question, Joe, at one point or another in your lives, you've all heard of Sorrow's Peak. You've heard of its infamous reputation and that it's widely considered a death sentence. Why is Sorrow's Peak so infamous? Why is it unlike other prisons? If Sorrow's Peak is a prison, then it's probably known as being infamous for a place that the Empire has disappeared people to in the past. People that might have been potential political dissidents, or maybe people that might have had resources or ideas that the Empire could use to their advantage. So maybe some scientists with clever weapons technology, maybe people that have been kidnapped over the years, maybe means to continue the line of monarchy that exists currently inside the Empire. Anybody that seems to in the way ends up in Sorrow's Peak and never heard from again. I I'm imagining like kind of an Alcatraz situation where obviously if there is a prison and we're in the wild blue, it makes sense that 
is on a kind of remote, whether it's a, you know, a floating piece of debris or it, it's kind of adrift. And so our problem is not only that we're here, it's that we will need to get back to the owl somehow. So we need to get off. I would like to add to that uh, by saying that the reason it is called Sorrow's Peak is because it is essentially like a huge floating mountain that the prison is oh, atop. very cool. And it is rumoured mm. that they, they kill people by pushing them off the mountain. Oh, <laughs> I love that. Right. Brutal. Yes. Ooh, I like both of those ideas, so I'm going to combine them both. Sorrow's Peak is a huge mountain that kind of sharply juts out of the side of an asteroid that flies through space. Ooh. So no one really knows where it is at any given point in time, except for the three oh. hands of sorrow. Just those three ships, which each have a gyro, like a special gyro core created from the heart of the asteroid so that they can find the location of the asteroid wherever they may be. So we're on the island from Lost. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. If anyone... (laughs) JJ Abrams, if you're listening, (laughs) we solved your problem. (laughs) Question. Yes. Uh, Is the owl here or, or is the owl still wherever it was captured. Unfortunately for you, you do not know. You you do know that usually <laughs> <laughs> I know uh, <laughs> for all our listeners, we'll just start a, <laughs> Kale just started crying there. <laughs> Kale's about to flip his lid. God, I hate that my dad was right. <laughs> You're hoping beyond hope, Kale, that the ship is somewhere close by because yeah, the the only thing worse that than than something terrible happening to the owl is not knowing if something terrible has happened to the owl because I can't see it. Exactly. <laughs> so to answer Joe's question from before, given the remoteness of this prison, given its infamous death sentence reputation, and for for pretty much anyone who has been sent to this prison, the guard schedule is nowhere as stringent as you would imagine it to be. In fact, there are barely any guards in most of the prison corridors because there's no need for guards. Why would you need guards defending prison cells when you're literally in the middle of nowhere Mm. on a giant space rock with no escape? Yeah, could I actually just like press myself right up to the bars and try to look around to see if I can see any guards? Yeah, um, and as far as you can tell, looking left and right, up and down, you don't see anyone else apart from the many individuals rotting in the cages around you. Okay, it's clear. Does anyone have some magic or something we could use to blast this door open? I feel like Natasha's going to kind of like side-eye Naomi (laughs) (laughs) like to just feel like yeah, cool. I am trying to like stay undercover here. <laughs> but uh <laughs> Vance is going to walk up casually to the lock on the door and look it over and then oh. look over to Kale and say, "See what you can make of that." Yeah. Uh, you're sure there's sure there's no one around? There's no one I can see. Yeah. Well, we'll deal with that when that happens. For right now, the lock is your main priority. All right. All right. I I like reach somewhere into my hair and and grab like a little Maybe like a really tiny knife, something I can use as a lockpick. I probably wouldn't have bobby pins, but like, or an actual lockpick. That seems too 
on the nose. Uh, but <laughs> something, something along those lines. Um, oh, how about like a little screwdriver? <laughs> yeah, what does your hair look like? Is it just like dreadlocks you can just like pull stuff out of? <laughs> or is it like, um, I was thinking Ray Toro, like just absolute like, like tornado of curls. <laughs> I, I want it to be like, like really tall, um, almost like like um like out of like Hey Arnold or something. Like it's like oh, a yeah, big, yeah, yeah, yeah. like kind of tower that that like doesn't like doesn't really go much past the, my head. Um, but it's like a big old flat top, curly haired. I, I imagine it's like orange too. He's definitely a redhead. He's a ginger. Uh, <laughs> it's like it's very conspicuous. It's got some singed bits to it. Like different lengths. <laughs> oh yeah, it's dynamic hair. It changes length whenever. <laughs> Depending on the gravity. Yeah. 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 Ah, space humidity is really getting to me today. <laughs> I mean, we're in space, but we're also on land, so <laughs> who knows? You know, I'm not going to argue. Just yeah. Uh, yeah. Have your merry way with that lock. Can I can I kinda like squeeze my head out the bars just to take a look at whatever the locks is going on here? I, I imagine even with your a big plume of hair going up that you can like hair first, you kinda like put your head through two of the bars and turn your head just slightly to see the lock. <laughs> And you see that it's like your cliched, heavy, large, like metal iron lock. It's it's pretty large, like almost comically large. <laughs> it, it just feels really real? unnecessary. But it definitely does look pickable if that's what you were thinking. It. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Why not? I mean, you literally can't do anything wrong. <laughs> worst comes to worst, we'll still be stuck in here. Exactly. That's a good point. Why don't you just hurry up and get us out of here? All right, all right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. All I right. think what Naomi means is, good luck. <laughs> yes, sure. Uh, so this works. I, I, I. For every trait that I have that applies, I add a die. Uh, not exactly. So basically, you just choose one trait from the list. So I'm a burglar. I'm and I'm tricky. Those both seem applicable here. Just remember, Kale, you don't have to open the lock. You just have to break it. That's that's a good point. And also, like, the, the leverage that's going to be needed to open whatever these doors are and and that sort of that sort of thinking, right? Like, mm-hmm. like it's, not, it's not about getting the lock open. It's about getting the door open. Yeah, it's fine if this lock isn't isn't workable after we go. <laughs> yeah, I think that will rest rest easy on our conscience. In fact, that'd be better. Stick it to the man. <laughs> I made some improvements, actually. So this is your first obstacle and your first roll. You start with a free die, a single free die. Then you add one die for the trait that you wish to use for this action. Then you add one die for each tag underneath that trait that applies to your current situation. And on top of that, you can add any number of dice from your dice pool and that's going to be the total number of dice that you're going to be rolling well i have locks there you go boom that's an easy one i have (laughs) i have contortionist you do to get me through the bars he can dislocate his fingers (laughs) and make them all wiggly (laughs) i'll 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 do then burglar uh i it has locks it has perceptive would that count yeah, yeah, sure. Why? <laughs> well, you have to you have to know a little bit about the like you have to kind of be able to look at the lock and like suss it out kind of thing. I buy. It. Yeah, yeah. That's good enough. Yeah. So I believe you're rolling 1 2 3 4. You could probably use dexterous as well. Okay. Dexterous 5 
And then what do I need to get? You are looking for three. So this is an obstacle with a success rating of three. Okay. All right. And it's four or above. Correct. Yes. Let's give this a... Ah, now we're rolling some dice. Oh. Uh, oh. I got two successes. Ooh. Oh, no. Oh. Should have used the die. So you can try again if you want to escalate this, but that basically means that if you fail again, something pretty bad will happen. That sounds fun, though. <laughs> if Kale is retrying, can you also assist in a retry, or is that only for the first roll? Yeah, you, you can assist him uh, just as long as you explain how you're assisting him to face this obstacle. Because <laughs> I kind of, like... From the previous, like, thing of, you know, Naomi bringing up magic, <laughs> yes. I think Natasha would go, like, come on, don't blow this for me. But I think she might, like, a la, like, Snape in uh, uh, the first Harry Potter film. <laughs> yes. Kind of just start, like, doing a little bit of muttering and hopefully use, like, channeling to, like, help focus Kale as he's trying to, like, you know, get into this tricky little mechanism. So I, I guess I give you one die from my pool. Brilliant. Okay, so I'll roll two more and one, one, okay. Ugh. Well, there's a six, so that's two sixes. Great. Yay. Yeah, we're, we're good. After a, pr- a brief, god damn it, god, get, get, get in there. Uh. <laughs> I think, yeah, then Natasha would just be like, be calm. <laughs> <laughs> just kind of like real under her breath sneaky like <laughs> um i'll give like a a little cough while natasha is is muttering her <laughs> spells to try to cover it <laughs> there's a very audible click and you see kale look back at you guys and what's your what does your face look like kale is it like glee or i i imagine that like i i haven't quite realized that it's worked yet so i'm still in just like very like mid-work phase like I've got like something sticking out of the corner of my mouth and like like a, a, an oil smudge on my cheek like uh-huh. Uh-huh. is that it <laughs> you got it you got it good work good you work you got it that's it come on come on did you hear something I heard the sound of success alright now step back let me let me take a look so Vance is gonna try to be first out the door oh okay well yeah he's gonna have to contend with Naomi trying to be first out the door <laughs> All right. If Naomi's going to try to be first out the door, uh, Vance is going to turn to her and say, take the right. I'll go left. Okay. Vance, unless you disagree, I think that's actually a really good example of you leaning into your key of the commander. What do you think? That's the idea. Yeah. Brilliant. Uh, Why don't you take some XP for that as well? Ooh, fancy. All right. Oh, my God. So basically, in Lady Blackbird, keys refer to these short snippets of roleplay fodder for your characters, kind of like aspects from fate. For example, Vance, your key of commander, states that you are accustomed to giving orders and having them obeyed. So whenever you hit that key, by which I mean whenever you actually do something that leans into the core idea of your key, you can actually take an experience point or add an extra die to your pool. Experience points can be redeemed later on to increase the number of traits or the breadth of your tags in each of those traits or to add special abilities called secrets to your character. I, I, I took an action to complete the mission of getting Lady Blackbird home. That's true, so I think you Is that can... how that works? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I made a roll on everything. You did, right. you did. <laughs> Take your XP. Before we leave the cell, I'll turn to uh, 
You're not Lady Blackbird in my mind yet. You are still Natasha. Natasha. And I'll turn to Natasha and say, wait here, ma'am. We're going to check to see if the coast is clear. Ma'am. <laughs> Damn. Well, I guess there's a first time for everything. <laughs> Kale snickers at that. <laughs> 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 what you don't yeah you don't believe i'm of uh what high birth or something um yeah, naomi looks at natasha <laughs> they're like what are you doing no of course not but a girl can pretend can't she indeed she can and then i'll leave herself <laughs> <laughs> wow natasha's skirting very fast yeah. and loose with a double glove there <laughs> Both Vance and Naomi exit the prison cell first and look to your left and right side respectively, I believe? Yeah. Naomi, you see a corridor that kind of ends with a blank stone wall, but Vance, on your side, the corridor keeps going for a distance and then gradually turns to the right. Uh, The corridor itself is lit by these dim flickering bulbs spaced equidistant on the ceiling. On both sides as well, there are many cells, many, many prison cells, and a few doorways that lead elsewhere. What else do you see, Kale? What's one thing in particular that kind of catches your eye when you leave and look around? Down the corridors? Yeah. How how far away are you thinking? Oh, it could be any any distance. Like it could be it could be any it could be something as as nondescript as a skull in the middle. <laughs> I don't know. That's pretty descript. Yeah. So. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> I think uh, the, the first thing that my mind came up with was like a break room, ah. like some mm. kind of like like little foyer with like maybe a table, some chairs. I don't know what else would be in. Maybe like a small, like a sink and a yeah, uh, no, some yeah, that kind of that kind of thing. Definitely, definitely. So around forty, fifty feet away to the right side, you see a doorway, an opening. Unlike the other doorways, this one seems to definitely lead to a room from where you hear these several voices barely echoing. There's a brighter, flickering light from inside there as well. That kind of definitely gives you context to how much of the darkness you're in at the moment. Three feet per meter, roughly. Thank you. (laughs) So around 20, 20, 30 feet away, you see like this opening to a room and it's basically a breakout room. You can see a flickering lights from it as well. And you see, you hear some voices, very low voices coming from that direction. Can I ask, does Kale suspect anything about Natasha? I don't, I don't think yet. Um, May I have one XP then? <laughs> nice. Of course. <laughs> no, I think Kale's too amused by his friend's clear infatuation, at least to him. Yeah. You know, as someone that knows him and, and has probably seen that sort of behavior from him before. Yeah. Like that. That that's what's taking up my focus because it's funny. Cool. Cool. <laughs> so if there's a break room down the hall and I hear voices coming from it, then I feel like. I am going to try to communicate that information back to the rest of the group if uh, Natasha and Kale are sticking their heads out of the cell then I will make some hand signals to indicate that there are some voices am I able to determine how many you you know that it's 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 at least two voices but you can't tell much more All about right. it I will indicate that there are I think as many as two people 
uh, with some hand signals that I'm sure Kale and I have practiced a few times in other tricky situations like this. And uh, at that point, I will wait to see what the rest of the group does before I uh, make any kind of action into the room. But I am going to say that in the back of my mind, I'm coming up with plans to try to think about what might get the guards out of that room with you know, without wanting to come back and investigate. So thinking of like imperial code phrases that I learned from my time in the service that I could shout that would get them to go to somewhere that's not here. Naomi is thinking of violent solutions, obviously. So um, she's going to gesture to you, like pointing down the hall and then a fist in the hand. <laughs> uh, Vance will make the hold up, pump your brakes. Wow, you you picked up our hand signals really quick. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really cool. Nice. I think Natasha's just going to cock an eyebrow as if to say, like, come on. <laughs> like, really? <laughs> yeah, so Vance, what's going on between... So it seems like there is some kind of, uh, like, a like I would I would use the word disagreement in terms of plans between you and Naomi. What's what's happening here? Well, well Naomi's put her offer out. Okay, um... <laughs> If I can hear that there's only two voices. I think, was there three? At least two. At least At two. At least two. I'm trying to think. Without, without looking around the corner, and I'm thinking that there's only two of them. What about, all right, let's see here. There's only a couple of them, if I think that's true. So I'll turn to Naomi, and I'll say, when we get in there, we got to make sure we get the radios first, and make sure that they can't signal for help. Good good thinking. Radios first. Radios first. Take care of the voices second. You ready? Ready. Go. And then Vance will jump into the room, hopefully with Naomi at his back, yep. and uh, try to basically tackle the first person that he can see. Sure. So I'll describe what you see in the room, and then you can decide who to tackle. Um, for all intents and purposes, this looks to be a breakout room of some sort, so like a break room. There's a sink to one side, the left side to be exact, and a large table in the middle of the room, on top of which are several bowls of grimy, porridge-like food things. There's a smaller table on the opposite side of the room, with two chairs, and on each of these chairs is a woman and a man who seem to be playing a very popular game in the Empire. Lady Blackbird, given your particular expertise, what kind of game is this? I would assume it's a kind of like, it's a card game. Yeah. Similar to, I'm thinking like, oh man, my Italian relative is going to be so mad at me. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, <laughs> similar to like Scorpa, but I can't actually remember the rules of Scorpa, but it's kind of like you have what to match suits. Yeah, it's like an Italian card game and I think you have to match suits to suits. So it's kind of a, yeah, it's a, it's a card game where it's like, and I think probably in the imperial world of Elysium, you know, it's probably depicting since these eight households have like, gone forever you know they're they're quite old lines so I'm imagining that it's like each suit there's eight of them and it kind of depicts you know a, a suite of of the noble families so you've got I made up names yeah <laughs> you've got glass you've got Matterhorn you've got Primrose you've got Iron Hand Dormer Franklin Shelley oh wait I messed up because uh surely Carlo is a house yep 
<laughs> oh, yeah. Let's get rid of Shelly. <laughs> sure. Uh, brilliant. So they're they're completely immersed in this game that involves cards and somehow daggers as well because there are two daggers stuck on the on on the table. It's like when you complete the suits, you have to you have to stab it. So it's kind of like a it's like a it's like a a high stakes game of Uno. So it's like I see. if someone can grab your completed uh, suite, then it's theirs. But you have to be fast enough to kind of like like Uno lay the dagger down on the cards. I'm guessing it, it hails from like a failed rebellion. Oh. Yeah, so it was kind of like a game made by the commoners to depict like a little insurrection within the noble houses that obviously, you know, there's eight houses vying for power for however many, yeah. you know, hundreds of years. And so there was like, like one kind of coup where one family tried to oust another. And so, yeah, this kind of card game came from that i should really make up a name for it and at the end of it you get to stab the nobles cards so it's yeah a win-win. maybe it's just called coup oh okay hey. yeah. <laughs> very appropriate so they're playing coup no relation to the actual game coup and honestly it's a game that is quite frowned upon by the nobles but it's also really integral to the cultural or, or societal zeitgeist of the empire so much so that it even pervades into the most loyal of Imperial Navy soldiers. In fact, it's a very popular game in the Navy, partially because there's a lot of layers to it and people really appreciate the ability of this simplistic card game to actually show them more about a person's true nature than what may initially be determined. For example, you can tell if a person is good at the game or even plays the game or even gambles through the number and type of scars that will be on their hands from failed or successful games. Mm. But history lessons aside, the two individuals are most definitely completely immersed in the game because knives, guys, knives. Yeah, you have to be paying attention. <laughs> well, now I wish that we could join in with this game instead of immediately attacking <laughs> these people to the floor. But I suppose it is what it is. We can always steal their cards. Some of them got stabbed. <laughs> you do see one other person uh, towards the right side of the room uh, in front of a full body mirror. Uh, he seems to be looking himself up and down and admiring himself and talking also to himself, saying things like, you look good. Um, so which which guard has Vance gone for? So um, is is uh, Narcissus like closest to me or? <laughs> <laughs> Am I able to get to the card players first? He is definitely. So he's the closest to the both of you because you're entering towards uh, from a small doorway. Okay. So he's he's definitely the closest to the two of you. Uh, the other two individuals, one is a man, one is a woman, from what you can see at least, uh, are playing cards at the further end of the room. All right. Well, imagining that Vance is a pretty strong individual, but he's not, like, overly muscled. He's He's a soldier. He's lived a dangerous life, but he's not, like, shall we say, comic book level of strength. He can't pick up a person and throw them. Yeah. At least not without using some kind of technique. So what I'll say is Vance will dart into the room very quickly to wrap up the person who's staring at themselves in the mirror. And uh, because Vance feels like the person who's 
taking good regard of themselves right now is probably the most likely candidate to be an officer and the person who might have the most information about what's going on and where they can get out. Mm. And once Vance has that person, he's going to wrap them up and put his hand over their mouth so they can't scream. But at the same time, he's probably going to try to tackle them to the ground and uh, pin them so that they can't get up in order to uh, let his uh, bodyguard associate go and uh, take the slightly more dangerous fight of the people with knives at the table. And if he'll intervene, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, before we decide on what your role's going to be, what, uh, what are you doing, Naomi? So Naomi would like to try to dash over to the card table, grab one of the knives, and then uh, go behind the, the nearest card player put her arm around their neck so get get them into a grapple and then put the knife to their neck and say to both of them don't make a sound you're gonna use his own knife <laughs> okay yeah that's what i'm attempting to do at least now so. he's winning coup baby <laughs> <laughs> yeah so natasha and kale what you two see is that both naomi and vance just kind of run dart inside this room uh, away from your vision like so you can't see them in the room what do the two of you do while this is going on do you like rush to them do you just stay where you are do you go a different direction i think natasha's probably gonna linger in the doorway you know being a kind of like adept but also like cool calm lady i think she's just trying to suss out the the lay of the land and where the power in this struggle is going to plus she knows that Naomi is you know a formidable you know kind of uh not foe like attacker and bodyguard so she's just kind of like going to keep an eye and if uh you know the scene calls for for magic or some kind of calming presence um she'll step in but apart from that she's just going to kind of like rush her you know at the moment very ratty long black hair and um, ask Kale, do you have another one of those cigarettes? Uh, <laughs> lovely. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 100%. Uh, and I, I hand one over and, and Kale is doing largely the large, a similar sort of thing but has eyes particularly on the lights in the room. You mentioned the room was lit. Yes. Kale can use some petty magic on one of the things that I have is uh, a darkness spell. Um, so I'm like, mm. I, 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 I picture that Kale's magic is, is sort of a more mechanical sense. Oh, it's like okay. Almost like I, I can I can sort of zap machines, um, and I, I've got like I've got eyes. I'm like trying to figure out how that works, just in case we need to. Um, I need to pull the plug on something, and we need to like get out of here in case something else goes wrong. I'm not doing anything right now, but like ready to. I love it. Yeah, no, definitely. I love that with him being a techie as well. Like, Yeah. Yeah, he's a technopath. <laughs> yeah. So while you two look towards the inner workings of what goes on, Cyrus and Naomi, do you want to roll and see how you do? So you can choose whatever trait you want and just add in, just tell me what you're using, what tags you're using, and mm -hmm. most of the time it'll be fine. And roll your roll. Hmm. Okay. All right. So I'm thinking I'm probably going to use ex-imperial soldier mm -hmm. and i'll be using 
tactics and soldiers in order to do that and relying on the previous training that I had to incapacitate somebody on the battlefield in just such a situation and choosing targets for tactics and how I take him to the ground is the soldier. That's what I'm going to be using. Makes complete sense. You are also looking for a three at the moment. Uh, actually, I think you're, it's a surprise. On your account, it's, it's a two, I'm going to say, but on Naomi's, it's going to be a three because by that point... They will have started. They to, will have noticed. Yeah. Uh, so I rolled four dice and I got two threes, a four, and a one. Oh, wait, two, two threes, so a four, that's one success. Oh, yeah, no, so one success. no. <laughs> Underestimated him, bud. Apparently. Yeah, Vance apparently is not having a great day. Tell me how this goes wrong, firstly. You, you can have a chance to escalate and roll again, but just tell me how it starts going wrong. So, um, since this person is looking at themselves in a mirror, uh, they probably see me coming up behind them. <laughs> and, nice! Uh, they, <laughs> That's so good! Yes! They turn just in time for uh, them to get their defenses up, and I, I think I still probably wrap them up a little bit. But at the same time, because they saw me coming, the element of surprise is totally gone. And uh, we both drop to the ground and are sort of locked up around each other. I think they're probably on top of me instead of me on top of them. And um, I think each of us has a hold of each other's arm. Like I've got a hold of one of theirs and they've got a hold of one of mine. Oh, definitely. And it is a struggle, Vance. You really didn't expect this person to immediately turn around and come at you with full force. I would say that you're injured by this whole situation, something minor like a sprain or soreness in your arm. Uh, regardless, that isn't to say that this isn't a situation you're capable of handling, it's just that you didn't really expect it. Do you want to try again to try to push it? Push your luck? Oh, without a doubt, yeah. Six. There we go. Yes. Woo. <laughs> Thank goodness. Exactly. And I, as I mentioned, like, this is not a situation you can't handle. It just took you by surprise. Yeah, yeah. Um, and once you, re you know, collect yourself again, yeah, what do you do? So how do you turn the situation on its head? What do you do to the guy? So um, shifting my weight a little bit because he came down on top of me at a bit of an awkward angle. Since this is a break room and there's tables and chairs everywhere, I'll just... Uh, toss him backwards head first into a chair and disorient him and then flip over on top of him and hold him down so that uh, he can't get out from under me. Oh yeah, I, I love it. So all of you hear the breath come out of this man's lungs as he's knocked back and Vance just pins him. Ah. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> the idea is I'm not trying to knock him out mm -hmm. because yep. we're going to need to talk to this person. So all I'm trying to do at this point is just hold on to the hands, make sure that he can't pull any kind of like weapons or anything like that and just can't call for help at this moment. So is he is he supine or So at this point, um no, I'm Vance is on top of him, but this guy is a uh, face down on his stomach and I would imagine that Vance probably has um both of his hands back behind his back and he's probably just he's flopped over on top of him at this point because none of this is graceful. Yeah at this moment um it is not it, it's escalated as you said and it's gone beyond the realm of vance's uh expertise and he's just trying to not look like a total noob at this point he's trying to save face at this point <laughs> <laughs> he's got an audience <laughs> he does. Yeah, that's right yeah the peanut gallery over here <laughs> the smoking gallery <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
So while this is all happening, Naomi, what were you intending to do? I believe you were going to use your dagger on the other two or something? Uh, yes. So I'm going to use my trait Pit Fighter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've got Fast to try to get over there before either of those two can react and get the knife. I have Combat Tested. Yeah, so that's four for you as well. That's- yep. So I'm trying to get three, eh? Yes. Would brutal or hard sure. be applicable? I allow brutal. A brutal. Okay, so that's five. Because you are being pretty brutal by just putting a dagger on his yeah, leg and just yeah. like, and don't move. I'm, trying to, I'm grabbing the guy pretty <laughs> roughly. Yeah. Oh, all successes. Yes. There you go. Whoa! I know. I don't think Lady Blackbird has like a critical success thing, but d- like, let's assume it's critical. Yeah, like, cool. so you succeed in this beyond compare. So I'm doing this with style. Yeah. Like, how, how do you do this with style? Panache. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I am just like so fast that I I just like whip over there before those two have a chance to react, and I've already got the dagger in my hand. Everything is just like such fluid and graceful movements. Um, maybe I even give like a little twirl as I'm like getting over there, <laughs> yeah. you know? Oh. <laughs> I'm imagining as well, like maybe he was just about to like call coup and like put the knife down oh, and like yes. you were so quick that you like snatched it and he's just like Took it from his hand. The knife and, like, <laughs> looking at his empty hand, like what the hell? <laughs> yes. That's amazing. And and honestly the situation resolves quite immediately as well. You've placed the dagger onto the throat of the woman. I'm going to say because she's closer to you Uh, the first reaction of the man was to grab his own dagger but when he realizes that you've already got your well her dagger to the throat of his companion he kind of in all your grace and expertise and twirling he kind of raises his hands above his head slowly and gives you like a really angry frown and I'm imagining that my my words carry um, quite a bit of weight when I say don't move a muscle. I'm quite the artist, you see. And necks, like the one on your friend here, are my favourite canvas. How will our friends handle the situation? And what dangers still await on their escape path? Find out on the next episode of Don't Forget Your Towel. If you like what you hear, please connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at DFYT underscore podcast, on Facebook at Don't Forget Your Towel Podcast, and through email at dfytpodcast at gmail.com. If you have a few dollars to spare and you've been liking what you hear, please consider donating to us on Patreon. But if you don't have a few dollars to spare, that's all good too. Just keep listening and like or review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Every single rating goes a long way in helping us increase our reach and to share the RPG love. Till next time, keep your towels at the ready.